Don't miss M.L. Elric. Starring as the White Shadow. When the going gets rough, he can be as tough as he has to be. I don't think there's any way you can make it to the pros. You're not good enough. Or he can be tender. You just reach out and take my hand. He's a very good listener. I mean, there is more to school than... Podcasting. <laughs> oh, really? And a top reporter... You can be easily replaced. Sean brings in the problems. The solutions come from the White Shadow. What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Hello, my good friends. It's ML Elric coming to you live from the East Side with my friends Mark Fellhauer, Sean Windsor, and of course the best-looking guy. We don't have a camera that, on camera. That's that's Joey Zoobs, who is <laughs> doing all the uh, the tricky Facebook Live stuff. We appreciate you joining us on Facebook Live every week, and we encourage you to share our link to Facebook Live to many people who may enjoy seeing the show. But I also have to give you a little bit of a heads up: you're not seeing the whole show. You're missing some of the great stuff we have in room 7609, which is one of our most popular features. So please share the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and please listen to it later because we, uh, we want you to get the whole show. And quite frankly, we want the downloads because the downloads brings us sponsors, sponsors brings us money and money because this is a capitalist society. Even where Sean lives brings <laughs> us back. So uh, in the spirit of another great Detroiter, the Walendas, I'm back up on the wire and there's no net and we're expecting our special guest to join us shortly. And that is the very finest coach in the history of basketball. Better than Naismith, better than Wooden, better than, um, who is that tall, skinny white guy, George something who coached the Pistons for a year, better than him for sure. And that would be Mr. Thomas J. Izzo, as Sean Windsor likes to say, the J stands for genius, and he should be joining us very shortly. So uh, with that big windup, let me tell you a little bit about who's brought us here today, and that would be Altus Beer. (laughs) I'm totally out of it. All that that beer you gave me, it's already gone. I have some in the garage, but because of the governor's emergency order, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to share it like I normally would well, have I'll, I'll so come, I, I apologize but uh but Eltis is uh is our Facebook sponsor uh you know I want to I want to ask you as you guys are drinking an Eltis because I get lots of pictures from people with their cans of Eltis can you post them to our Facebook page can you send them to us because we want them to know that the message is getting out that the gospel of the cheap beer is reaching people because this started out as a cheap beer but it's not like that anymore it's coming back in Detroit it was from Detroit. It's back in Detroit. It's back this time with a little more flavor. Fun can I ask fact, you a, qu- can I ask you a oh yeah, question? Sure. Have you put methamphetamines in your Altus? I mean, what's going on with you, man? Well, we got you a big are, guest. We got a big guest. Up. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm alive, baby. As, as, uh, as Tom Jones says, I'm alive. I wish that song could make it in room 7609, but it's a little too, it's a little too current. But uh, the fun fact about Altus is it only takes six of them to make anyone a 10. We have a lot of things that start here in Detroit that went away, but boy, am I glad that Altus is back. It's a smooth lager that packs a punch. And unlike the original lager, this one is loaded with flavor. So go to altus.beer, that's A-L-T-E-S dot beer, and find the location nearest you. It's in stores, even if you can't get it at bars and restaurants. It's insanely good. And let me tell you, they have some pretty cool swag. So get your Altus, 
and let's get going with the show. Boys, uh, special guest today, maybe the highest profile guest we've had since Charlie LaDuff. You get that, Charlie, Michigan man? <laughs> a little shout out for Mr. LaDuff. Is Tom Mizzo. Sean, how did you, uh, how'd you land this, uh, how'd you get this Marlin in the boat? You know, I've covered uh, Michigan State for a, a good long while, and, and as I think a lot of people know who love that program and follow that uh, follow those teams, especially the basketball team, understand that that Mr. Izzo is very generous with his time. So to that point, uh, what happened last week? He had to go on a conference call with the NCAA to talk about transfer portal, the transfer portal rules ah. for a couple hours. So, uh, and it kind of, you know, got in the way of us and our little, uh, our little thing we do here. But at least, you know. at least he guaranteed you this time he'll be here because you made connection with him earlier, which was yes. nice. So he's a man of his word, I suppose. I know that's hard for you, Mark, as a Michigan guy. What's that's that why mean? you tacked on the I suppose, right? <laughs> well, I don't know him. You know him. I don't know him. Like, I he, mean, does anybody really know anybody? I mean, well, this, I, I got to tell you. an existential uh, theme today here, right? And coaches. I, I, coaches. It, it always gets deep when you catch Sean in his garage. <laughs> coaches are a very different breed. They just are. They are, and, and I would argue that he's um, a little bit unique, even among that breed. Yeah, he's honest. There's one. Well, he just does things, um, you know, just the way he handles us. You were asking about the media. I mean, I I know there are very few coaches, at least at programs as successful as his at that level, Big Ten for sure, that that open up their locker rooms like he does. I mean, everybody does it in the NCAA tournament because the NCAA uh, demands it. And the Big Ten tournament, I think, is the same way. That'll probably change moving forward, obviously. And I'd be curious to – maybe we can ask Tom if he's going to – if we do get basketball back, is he, if he's going to, or when we do get it back, if he's going to have to reconsider some of the ways he does things, you know, to keep reporters and his players separate. So without further ado, we are joined by coach Tom Izzo. I'm uh, this is a nonpartisan show. I'm just going to put a little hat on here um, to underscore well, for crying how, loud. how unbiased we are. And uh, coach, it's ML Elric here. I got to tell you uh, last week, I felt a little bit like Juwan Howard. I had a big star who was coming to our virtual campus, and then by the end of the day, it was just me and my kid playing basketball at uh, an empty Chrysler Arena. But th- thanks for thanks for making time for us this week. Yeah, it's it's crazy times in a lot of ways, guys, and uh, definitely recruiting is one of them for sure. Were you uh, secretly thrilled to see, and I, I know that there's a fraternity of coaches and you're one of those guys who seems to like everybody, but was there a feeling somewhere in, uh, in the Breslin Center or wherever you're spending your days where you did a little jig to say, okay, there goes one five-star down the road. There goes two five-stars down the road. You know, maybe his own kid is going to bail on him. This could be a great, uh, great thing for, uh, for the rest of the Big Ten. <laughs> You know, truthfully, no, I don't. I uh, I don't wish for that. Uh, because well, thanks for joining us, Coach. Uh, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can happen. To me. It can happen to us tomorrow. It can happen to everybody. Uh, I'm not real thrilled with what uh, is going on with college basketball right now. Um, and so well, that's I don't, nothing, uh, right? I don't wish that on anybody. To be honest with you guys, it's. Uh, it's just one of these things between the NBA, between the G League, between the transfer portal. Um, it, it's not a real good time right now, and uh, I think uh, somehow, some way, we got to straighten this thing out and 
it's really going to be up to the coaches more than anybody. And uh, so if there's ever a time when we better band together, all 351 of us, it's probably today. Yeah, there is a lot of attention on you. I saw the Vital tweet a couple days ago because of the transfer rule. It sounds like it's mainly because there really is no guidance. We all know what happened with Joey Hauser, and you, you stepped down. Well, that's a bold move, stepping down from the board. Uh, is, is that a, what's bothering you about the transfer rule, is the lack of, I guess, direction between each athlete? Well, to be honest with you, uh, when we when we recruited Joey Hauser, we had no intentions of because I'm totally against it. I, I think, I think kids, uh, if we give this free agency that they're talking about, um, you know, it'd be like everything else in, in the world. I mean, if there's no rules to anything, um, you know, when do kids start drinking, driving, uh, you know, if there's no rules, there's gotta be rules to some things. And free agency is something that even the pro sports, you know, it happens because of contracts, but it happens once every four or five years, like in football, as I'm watching now, um, to think of it happening every semester, uh, I just don't see how it benefits the kids. I mean, what are we teaching them? What are we doing? It definitely doesn't benefit the programs. And, and I don't think the sad part about it, I don't, I don't know of a coach right now that agrees in either sport, football or basketball. I guess there's probably a couple, but I've talked to a lot of coaches in football in the last week. And, uh, everybody's fearing what this is going to be, what, what's the camaraderie among sports. If you guys as journalists or radio people had, if there was no rules on anything, you'd be killing each other, eating each other alive. And that's kind of what I worry about happening in the sport of basketball. And I think at the end of the day, or football, I think at the end of the day, the people that are going to uh, be hurt the most are the players. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. Our, our school's not going anywhere. Michigan's not going anywhere. Juwan Howard's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't think people all around the country, schools aren't closing down because a player leaves or stays. But sometimes players make bad decisions because they don't get uh, very good information, and uh, I, I see that as a shame as an 18, 19-year-old. You know, the the counter argument back to that is going to be, well, nobody thought Beeline was going to go anywhere, and he can leave, and coaches can take other jobs, and recruits um, commit. I think, from where I oh, said... Oh, that's baloney. I'll just jump you okay. in the middle of it. I'll tell you why it's baloney. Uh, as a couple of uh, guys I talked to in football said, you know, uh, I know that's, that's Jay Billis's argument, uh, and I have great respect. I love Jay Billis, but you know, uh, you pay 30, 40 years of dues, number one. Uh, number two, um, you know, <laughs> if anybody thinks any of us can leave here without great punishment, <laughs> meaning uh, buyouts and things like that, I mean, we, we, we jump on these things like 18-year-olds should have, you know, you got to be 36 to be the president. So, I mean, <laughs> there are rules and laws and things that go on, and uh, I, I just don't think you can compare somebody 50 or 60 uh, with somebody 18 as far as uh, everything being identical. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not real fond of that statement, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it from you. Yeah. Yeah. But coach, the, the other thing that we want to, we want these kids to learn lessons that adults have to learn. They make a, a commitment to the university, which we appreciate, but coaches also make a commitment when they sign that contract. And what lesson are we sending the kids when we say, I just signed a 10-year contract, but guess what? Now I get to coach 
XYZ University for double my salary. They're in a better conference. They're going to help me recruit. So I'm leaving for that. Doesn't that also send a message to kids that the commitment that they're making uh, is only as good as the best offer on the table? Yeah, you could say that. But like I said, there's a buyout to that too. So do you think... Yeah, but usually the other university pays it, doesn't it? No, not necessarily. I know a guy in South Carolina just now that talked to me today uh, about that. So uh, so maybe, maybe that, should it be that way then? Should it be where the university goes to, pays back the scholarship money of the two years or three years that he's been there? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, if, if you want to go that route. Listen, I'm not against guys transferring. I'm not against guys transferring at all. If, if it's not for you, I just think there has to be some way of not making it where every semester, I mean, can you guys imagine me telling a kid to go to class and him saying, you know, get mad about it or, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't start it. There, Judd Heathcote used to tell me there's never a freshman that's been happy in the world. Most <laughs> freshmen that we recruit score 25 a game or you wouldn't recruit him. And no freshmen, no, no sophomore junior scoring 25 a game in college. So they're already everybody. It's distorted. Um, I think, uh, Paying your dues is part of growing up. Paying your dues is is part of battling through adversity is part of growing up. I mean, uh, somebody want to take care of me for the $4,000 I made at 27, 8, and 9 to be a GA to kind of pay my dues. Uh, I'm sure you guys have done the same. You know, I I, I think um, well, I, I solely disagree with you so much. I'm not a, I'm not a void of kids transferring. I think that's great. If, if they think the Kentucky deal is better than the Michigan State deal, we'll go to Kentucky. But, you know, you got to also remember when you transfer, you're going to have to, you know, every class doesn't transfer between Michigan and Kentucky or Kentucky mm-hmm. and Michigan or or Purdue and Illinois. You know, you're going to lose some hours, so you're going to start hurting graduation rates. And, well, what's so bad about uh, an extra year of, of education, if that's really what we're supposed to be there for. And when you look at the fact that 99% of the kids who transfer aren't going on to pro ball, it is about education. Well, I'm with you, coach. I I don't like the transferring. I think one of the things you have to learn is that you make a commitment. I think you have to learn if you're not as fast or as strong as the other guy and you thought you would be, you got to get back and work even harder to try and get over that point. And I just, I just think that there's a little bit of a, a double standard there, but I don't, I don't want to hang us up on that at all. Well, let's, I, let's I do want to come back to. The, let's go back for a second. So, sure. so you think a coach shouldn't be able to leave, which I've never left, and I've had way bigger offers than doubling my salary um, throughout my mm-hmm. career, and so I didn't leave. But if I would have, I'm paying some price. If a kid, he can still transfer, he's paying a little price. You know, sit out a year, get stronger, get better. Uh, you know, it's not a bad price to pay. Um, so I'm not going to argue that a, a coach, but, a, you know, when you put in 30, 40, 20 years into building something as you guys do yours, I don't know if somebody should just come in and get the exact same uh, rights as you have. That's part of experience, part of whatever. But, uh, if you think it's double standards, uh, you know, I'm cool with that. I, I, I agree. You know what? Then make my buyout worse. Make coaches buyouts worse. But, uh, remember there's, there's also uh, other parts to this with ADs and presidents that come in and maybe 
don't want you there. So there's a lot of different factors. I've always been for guys, if a coach leaves, a player should be able to leave. Uh, that that I, I agree with. I hate to say it because presidents may not agree, but I, I think uh, coaches, um, players come to schools a lot because of the coach that's there. So if he leaves, yeah. I, 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 do, I do agree with that. That's the one concession I'd make. I, I think that's fair, Coach. And and on the point of transfers, I, I understand that, um, and, and maybe maybe you can confirm this for us, that one of the reasons why Coach D'Antonio decided that it was time for him to to call it a day was he was very frustrated with the transfer portal, not not even so much with losing players, some of whom have now come back, but um, but just understanding how it works and how it's changing the game and how – in football, and, and they may be a little ahead of basketball, it's just taken what used to be a fairly stable situation, and it's, you know, it's like 52 pickup. Instead of shuffling the deck, you just throw all the cards in the air and see where the hell they come down. That's a pretty good way of putting it. You know, like, uh, I know there's a couple coaches, me, let's let's just get some trading cards. You know, you got all the players on your team, I got all the players on my team, and you give me two players, I'll give you two players, and I don't know if that's why Mark D'Antonio, I think it's been frustrating. I look at, you know, I look at what John Beeline had gone through. Uh, you know, I have great respect for John and I think it got frustrating the way guys were leaving. Uh, you know, we have no rules. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be where you can come out of high school and go, you can come out now and go to the G league. You can transfer when you want. Um, at least football has the three year, they can still transfer, but they have the three-year commitment. So you look at basketball, we're getting it from all sides right now, and I think uh, it's something that basketball coaches are concerned with. But I think football coaches are concerned with the transfer rule in general. It doesn't mean everybody, but uh, the percentage I'm I'm looking at is a very high percentage. Because the G League is kind of cranking up or trying to figure out you know, how to pay these kids, uh, would you want to see maybe the cost of attendance grow to maybe compete with that or maybe have a full out, um, you know, regular deal where you actually pay the players and they sign a two, three, four year contract while they're in school to stay? Well, you start going into that and you're going to hit a lot of different things that are they going to be taxed on it. Are they going to be this or they be that? There's so many yeah, different, they uh, would be taxed on it. <laughs> variables to that. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I feel a little different than some about amateurism. I think there's, you know, it, it again is part of paying your dues. You know, we're talking such few numbers of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably 30 Americans a year that, oh, not even, that make it in the NBA, that that make a team, you know, because um, a lot of the second rounders don't, and there's at least 20% are European players now. So, you're talking such few numbers that really are difference makers. Um, I don't think no matter what you paid them in college, I mean, we just, we just saw where they're going to pay guys 500,000 to go to the G league. Yeah. So it, it does it really, is it really ever going to be relevant? I mean, I think what they've done a pretty good job of is by cost of attendance and that, you know, the old stories about the kid didn't have enough money to get his, uh, his uh, winter coat, or uh, couldn't take a girl out to the uh, to uh, the movies. Um, that's long gone now, and, uh, and I'm not saying it's great. And I mean, uh, hell, I'd want more for my kid wants more, and he's on the Izzo scholarship, not the Michigan State <laughs> one. 
But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, we'll never catch up with that. And uh, and I think people got to realize, too, that when your football and basketball are helping take care of a lot of sports. And so, uh, you know, the more that goes one way, the maybe the less that goes the other. I, I don't know all the particulars to that. I just know that uh, I, I I still believe that there's got to be some accountability. There's got to be some some working your way, earning your stripes. I, I don't care what business you're in. And I think we're trying to fast track this so fast. I wonder what's going to happen to these kids, you know, eight and 10 years down the road. I worry about that. At the same time, I don't like when a kid can't afford like it used to be to even go to the movies. So I think we're trying to find the best happy mediums. I just don't know if it'll ever deter a kid from going pro. Um, I don't think it ever will if that's the only mission, but I I wonder how many of those kids for every LeBron, there's going to be a hundred that don't make it. I think. Well, not, not to keep harping on the point, but from a fan's perspective, you know, you see things like uh, the university of Alabama redoes their football locker room. And now there's a a waterfall in hot tubs, yet the players don't get paid. Um, You see how that sits with fans though, right coach? I see how it sits with fans, but from a player standpoint, those players are getting an advantage. So you, you are you talking about fans now? Are you talking about players? Because well, just the you push to pay. pay the players. Yeah, I, I think that things. Um, I think things will, you know, at times get out of hand. It's it's like every other, but it, that's too like every other business. You know, every other university is putting in new uh, foodist, uh, um, you know, uh, cafeterias. Every university is putting in. Um, different buildings, you know, I mean, you got to attract the people you got to attract. So I, I can understand that uh, to a certain extent. Do I think it sometimes gets out of hand? I'm, I'm sure it does, but, uh, but that's happening. Every business, every, everything you do, that happens at every university in the country. Uh, they're, they're getting better uh, um, intramural areas. So they have workout things because that attracts students. Uh, you know, so it's always going to be an arms race in that respect. Uh, I think to to a certain way. Um, well, Co- Coach, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I've got two kids who are in college right now, and I know how much it costs for me to send them there. And they're not getting free clothes. They're not getting tutoring. They're not getting travel. They're not getting access to nutritionists and the things that the athletes are. But those athletes are getting a valuable commodity, not just the free education, but the opportunity to make connections, the expertise and the influence of people such as yourself. And I look at a guy like Matt Ishbia, there was just a great story in the free press about him who was never going to go pro put in his time. Uh, I believe at some point he must've gone on scholarship, but, um, but he graduated and, and he was very generous. And I think probably very truthful in saying that the lessons he learned from, uh, from you and from the program there, helped him set up what is now a billion dollar business. And for anybody who says that Michigan state took advantage of Matt Ishbia, um, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I wish Michigan state had taken advantage of me like that when I was at <laughs> Michigan state, because I wouldn't be here talking into a laptop and hoping I don't have to take another furlough next month. You'd be having trouble hearing me on the back of my uh, yacht because there'd be so much wind and so many former cheerleaders yelling and whispering in my ear. Well, let me say this. Um, oh, I hope we help Matt Ishbia a little bit, but Matt Ishbia, his dad is an unbelievable guy. Matt Ishbia helped Matt Ishbia a lot. 
uh, you know, I, I hope that's all part of the growing process. You know, uh, we're teachers too in our own way. And I, I, I think that uh, if you've never failed, if you learn, you know, I played a lot of football and every football locker room, it's when the going gets tough, the tough get going, you know, it's, it's kind of a motto, a cliche, whatever you want to call it. The new one to me is when the going gets tough, get the hell out of Dodge. You know, is that, is that going to help a kid 10, 20, 30 years from now? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, everybody's got their own opinion, but, uh, this opinion of, uh, Kids only get, we devalued academics. I mean, at the end of the day, do you know what percentage of people in football or basketball go pro? It's less than 1%. So in the end of the day, um, this education is very, very important. Uh, number two, um, the fact of them just getting a scholarship, like, like some people have acted like it's, you know, it's a twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars scholarship. I mean, you talk about travel and clothing and health benefits and food, and you know, there's so many different experiences. We took our team to Italy. There's there's so many cultural educational things, and and you know what? I think that one thing in athletics, boy, you you develop uh, socially. Um, you you really mature socially. Uh, because you're you're held uh, under wraps. I mean, everybody looks at what an athlete does and the trouble sometimes that they get into. We don't pull the other forty five thousand students on campus. You know, I mean, uh, everybody, you, you you three guys, two guys, and you can add me in that list. Um, if we were scrutinized like kids are nowadays, athletes are nowadays in college, so we would add some of the same problems. I'm not condoning. I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm just saying, uh, these kids do a hell of a job and we've graduated, uh, you know, as John has, I'm sure Jawan will do it as Campy has. I mean, we graduated an unbelievable number of, of our student athletes here over the years. And I think when they leave, they're better than when they came. And some of those kids would not have gotten in to some of these schools and would not have gotten a chance. You know, the tutoring, that's another expense. But did we make them better people? Did we make our society better? I think the answer to all those is yes. Coach, um, obviously coronavirus has just wiped out the tournament, a tournament that a lot of people expected you guys to go very, very far in. I then see Coach Bob Huggins pipe up on a show that he thought, you know, if we have a season next year, why not begin the season with the NCAA tournament? I don't know how you do that with players moving on and changing schools unless you just let them play in the tournament. Did you have any thoughts on Coach Huggins' idea to start the season with the tournament? You know, I just talked to Huggs the other day about this other stuff, but I didn't hear him say that one. You know, I I, I think the hardest thing would be, you know, I look at ourselves, the seniors that are gone, um, they make a big difference mm-hmm. in your team. And some, the transfer thing, I mean, Hey, get used to it. If it goes like they want it to go, that's the way it's always going to be year to year. But the, uh, you know, I don't know if you could do that. Uh, listen, I was hoping like everybody else that it was postponed. As I look back on this whole thing, it was the right thing to do. I don't think any of us thought of the severity of this when, when they canceled the Big Ten tournament. And then later that day, they canceled the NCAA tournament. You know, I was one of 
those guys, why, you know, <laughs> why? Mm-hmm. And then you realize why. And then when it hits home even closer, when my assistant, Dwayne Stevens, lost his father to it. And, um, you know, it just, I, I think we always look at things and never understand them until they happen to us. And so as I've looked now and what I've seen, I mean, the decision to cancel the uh, NCAA tournament, as much as it bothers me, because I think we were playing our best basketball, um, I'd have to say it was the right decision. Whether you could do that next year, I just, I just don't see how you could with even seniors that have graduated coming back and playing in October. You know, I, I don't know if I'll have to ask Hugs about that. It's <laughs> uh, an interesting idea, though. It's out of the box. Interesting idea, yeah. Outside the box, which Hugs sometimes is, but it's, uh, I, I'd be willing to look at it. You know, I, I just don't know how you could hey, do it. Hey, Tom. Uh, now that you've had a little bit of time since the the end of the season, have you kind of come to, to terms with, with how it ended and how well your team played and just kind of considering what you and your team and the staff went through this year, all the, you know, yeah. it's been well documented, obviously, but I'm just curious kind of where you, you are almost on a spiritual level with, with letting it, letting it go and, and letting it rest. You know, that's, that's a good question, Sean. And I, I, I'd have to say I haven't yet. And, most of the reason I haven't is sort of because of Cassius and, and Kyle and, uh, you know, Connor, our, our seniors, uh, that's part of it. Part of it is what Cassius went through. Part of it is what we went through, you know, where I, I look at, uh, Calipari and I joke with each other that we were the only two teams in the history of the world, I guess, that went from rank one in the preseason to unranked and, you know, what a what a story would have been if we could have come back and found ourselves and, and won the whole thing. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to think they had a chance, but I, I do think, and I've been there enough times, that we had a legitimate chance at the end, partly because we were playing our best ball. Cassius was really coming along. Our freshmen and sophomores had, had really improved, partly because we had been through so many distractions and things that uh, – we were we were coping with those and and partly because in all honesty I didn't think across the board that the uh, the teams this year were head and shoulders above anybody. In other words, I thought we were really good at the end, but I don't think we were that much better than anybody else. But I don't think anybody else was that much better than us. So I thought the experience we had, the fact that we had been to the final four a year, the fact that our staff did. It would have been a fun run with an unbelievable opportunity. That would have been our battle cry of, listen, they loved you at the beginning. They didn't even come close to understanding in the middle what was going on. And then to come back and win it, that would have been maybe, uh, we would have been a team that would have been uh, talked about for from a coach's standpoint for 30 years. You know, well, Michigan State went through this. You know, I think about when Magic won it. And uh, you know, I've talked to them a lot about this. If you re- those of you that are that remember that are Michigan State fans, um, they almost didn't even get in the tournament. You know, they had, they had to win the conference, and they had a big game with Ohio State, and he got hurt. And you know, if they lose that game, they're probably out. And uh, they regrouped too. So uh, that's all part of fighting through adversity, um, not giving up. I loved. You're talking about the transfer rule. I love when somebody talked to you yesterday about, well, geez, when Michael Jordan didn't make his uh, 
his varsity team, he didn't transfer. He didn't quit. And uh, look what happened to him. Coach, are you watching The Last Dance, the ESPN documentary on Jordan and the Bulls? Are you watching? What are you watching right now? Because you you have an opportunity to watch stuff. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm watching. I I watched Rudy this morning, uh, but I've seen that 600 (laughs) times. So I watch that. I I do watch a lot of game film, and I go back. But I'll tell you the two uh, greatest sports things I've watched in the last week. I've watched the Peyton Place, uh, yeah. I think Sunday. I watched it from noon till nine and then watched Jordan after uh, in between my uh, Peloton workouts. So I, I did a lot of that. Uh, but I thought those two things, because they were, you know, they're about a sport, you know, the NFL with with Peyton Place, and, but it's about human interest stories within that. And that's why, you know, maybe I'm the only guy that could pick up that Jordan. I'm not the only guy because somebody reported it, but that Jordan got cut in high school. I heard he got cut in junior high from his seventh grade team. You know, um, those are human interest stories. Those are, those are stories. Uh, there was a kid thing on Ed Reed the other day on uh, undeniable with Joe Buck. that yeah. I, I called my guy right away. I said, tape that, make sure we get a copy. I'm showing that to my team in September, you know, so I'm doing a lot of those kind of things because I think they're motivational or they're back to reality in this world of uh, sometimes no reality that we live in. Okay, you mentioned Rudy, so I'm just going to throw a couple out there. I'm just curious if you've seen it. You had to have seen Hoosiers, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. How about the movie Coach Carter? Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. How about Blue Chips, which is ridiculous? Ridiculous, and yet... If you watched the scheme the other night, you wouldn't think blue chips is is as ridiculous. So, so you did you did watch the scheme because there's some inferences in there because of Christian Dawkins. I mean, there's a picture with you and him. I, what did you make of the of the documentary of the scheme? I actually thought Christian did a good job, and I thought the uh, the lawyer Steve Haney did a good job in in the narration, kind of that he ended up that kind of guy in there. Um, I, I I will preface this by saying it. If some of those things with some of those teams, um, unless they had uh, different fake voices, um, it makes me wonder. Uh, yeah, you know how people can move on. But uh, again, I'm not involved with that. What I learned of more than a few years ago is uh, that of complaining about what's going on. I'm just going to worry about my team, unless it's dealing with our profession. Uh, you know, one thing Judd Heathcote always taught me, that coaches got to stand up for their profession. And, uh, you know, and nobody's, you know, bigger than the programs and nobody's bigger than the profession. And that's the only thing I'm trying to do now. I don't worry about what's going on out there because I can't control it and it doesn't look like many people can, to be honest well, to, to that point, and you don't have to comment on it, but Will mm-hmm. Wade and Archie Miller they don't do much for the profession when they claim they never talk to a guy and have a public denial. And then there's audio tape of them talking to him and they still maintain their positions as head coaches. So, <laughs> well, like, like, you know, uh, some people say there's, uh, the, there's bad everything, right? I mean, we have, uh, we're learning that there's, uh, you know, there's corruption in the police business. There's corruption in the legal system. There's corruption in schools. There's corruption in coaches. God, sadly enough, there's been corruption in the priesthood, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't know everything to that, but uh, it makes me think that, uh, you know, some schools don't handle their business right either because, um, you know, I know this. If uh, that happened here, um, I, I don't I don't think I'd still be working, but I, I don't know the whole term about that. Wow. Hey, Tom, uh, getting back to, to Cassius for a second, do you, uh, he, he's as popular a player as you've, as you've had coached <laughs> in a long, long time. I'm just, I'm just curious, now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect, what, what was it about him that, that had attracted so many of your, your fans? And uh, even, even I hear from Michigan fans who had a lot of respect for this, this guy. Just what was it about him and what made him unique uh, among uh, among the players, I mean, obviously you've had hundreds of players over the years, but what made him kind of different, I guess, in that way? Well, that's a good question, you know, because uh, I think he was respected by just about everybody. Number one, um, unlike his coach, you never saw him lose his cool. <laughs> he never saw him. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's 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 the all American boy. You know, I, I I don't think I've ever seen him touch the rim. Um, he's not your prototypical athlete. I don't think I've, uh, but I've never seen him, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's had below a three point in the class either. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of just what you'd want on and off in every way, uh, every way, shape and form. You know, he's, uh, he's a very articulate kid who really stood up in the last two, three years, even, even this year. I mean, he played the actually the day we found out was after midnight. He played that night in the game, played at Seton Hall. He, um, I asked him, you know, if uh, when he was ready, if he wanted to talk about it, and he did with you media guys because uh, hopefully to help other kids that have gone through something like this. He's he's so unselfish as a player, but he's just as unselfish as a human being. And, uh, you know, for me, you want your daughter to marry him. You want your son to grow up like him. Um, and yet he was mortal. You know, he was, he was not LeBron James. He was just like everybody else, a little six foot, six foot one guy that walked around campus unpretentious with humility and with, uh, with, uh, incredible, uh, you know, never big timing anybody. And, uh, that includes players, coaches, fans, students. Um, you had a chance to interview him. I, I never really had a chance to interview him other than when I recruited him. But, um, yeah, we're going to miss Cassius because he he serves so many different er- areas. You know, when, when things were tough here a couple years ago, you know, he was the guy that could answer the questions, and he did it about as classy as you could do it when when we you know won big games his humility was you know it was always about the team or the coaches or the program uh, I uh, I think he's unique this day and age I'm, I'm sure he's on Twitter uh, <laughs> you know like every other human being except <laughs> me but um, I, I'm sure he is but I, I'm sure it's never where ninety nine percent of Twitter is about me, I can't picture Cassius about himself and anything he does. Coach, what's what's next for Cassius? We hear a lot about uh, Tillman and whether he's going to go through the draft and where he may rank in the draft, but you just don't hear that much 
conversation about Cassius. Do you see him with a uh, NBA career ahead of him or is he going to have to, you know, pursue other things or, or go overseas? Oh, no, I definitely see him. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, he's, he's ranked in a lot of people's late first rounds or the early second. And, uh, there's definitely been uh, more than a little, uh, but you got to remember now, there's not a lot on anything right now. People are trying to survive. People are trying to take care of people. Uh, you know, the draft in football is coming up and they're publicizing in every minute of every day because, you know, they're hoping that this kind of brings some light, but in basketball right now, usually they're having workouts and, and, uh, guys like Sean might be following him to, uh, to Chicago and you know, those things just aren't happening now. So you, you don't hear much about most of these guys. I guess you hear something about Xavier cause he, you know, announced that he was putting his name in. You, 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 you look at uh, what's the name from Michigan doing the same thing, but, but you don't hear as much about anything because, uh, things aren't happening like they have for the last 25 years where you got Chicago, you got interviews, you got all that. Um, any interviews now are zoom interviews and nobody else is privy to it. So it's, uh, it'll start heating up as uh, we figure out, but you think about it, guys, we don't know if the NBA is going to play in June, July, August. We don't know if the draft's going to be in June, July, or August. Uh, there's a lot of un- unknowns right now out there. Well, Coach, I got to tell you a little story that is going to seem maybe a little quaint now, but uh, my wife, Teresa Baldus, Michigan's Journalist of the Year, is one of the biggest Cassius Winston fans ever. So I'm lucky that I can drag her up to East Lansing for games, and she thinks that I'm taking her out for a big night. <laughs> and I, for Valentine's Day, I bought her tickets to the uh, Michigan State uh, basketball banquet. And I know a lot of her friends are like, you're such a jerk. She was thrilled she she got me a belt buckle without a belt so i'm not sure who got the better deal here but um but it was a spartan belt buckle so i got to give her that yeah, there you but go the night of the banquet i was sick and i had a, a sinus infection and i was thinking well i'm not going to go up there with her because i don't want to shake hands with the players i don't want to make anybody sick just before they go to the tournament she went she took a friend um they're very much in love now by the way so that didn't quite work out the way I had planned, but, um, and he's a Wolverine, so it's, it's pretty messy. But, um, but at that point I'm thinking, boy, I would hate to give one of these guys a cold. And then within days, the whole world fell out from under us. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that perspective and saying that, uh, yeah, when you sit back and think about it, we probably do need to take a more cautious path. And, and I got to ask a favor because I know our time with you is running short. A great kid, a great Spartan who played hockey for me um, without much success, but it was my fault, not, not the teams. His name, Jacob Brower. He turns 21 years old today. I was wondering if you could give a, a birthday <laughs> shout out to Jacob Brower, a good Spartan boy. Jacob, I do send a shout out to you. I, I hope uh, 21st birthday, behave yourself, keep your social distancing, just stay in the house. But you can celebrate that thing later on in life. Uh, right now, we got to take care of everybody. And, you know, the banquet is always a special thing here. It's it's, uh, it's very good. And, uh, you know, even that, if you remember, uh, your wife will remember Cassius. Uh, we talked about the defensive player, and he kind of stood up like he was going to get it because 
we said the guy that got it came in a little chubby and fat and out of shape, and that was Xavier, of course. And Cassius, <laughs> I always used to tell him he was the Pillsbury Dobo early because he was always eating candy and doing things. And but uh, guys, you would have loved this team. I, I think Sean would agree. I had a lot of good guys. I had a lot of you know good players, really good players, but really good guys. Really had a best academic semester of my. 25 years here and uh, would have liked to finish it out differently, but I can only imagine what those guys will be telling their kids 20, 30, 40 years from now. It's like my 94 year old mother is telling me about the the great depression. And, you know, I mean, this is a, a life changing moment. We just got to hope that we keep as many lives safe as we can. And, um, you know, and see where basketball, football, what's going to happen in the fall. There's going to be a lot of interesting things going on. But uh, I just hope that when it's all said and done, uh, you, people, fans appreciate what these players go through. And yet I hope players appreciate that there is a process to becoming, you know, uh, not only a great player, but a, but a better person as life goes on. So this has been kind of a fun time. I, uh, I could do it again sometime, Sean. I've uh, actually enjoyed this time. Oh, well, thanks for coming on a lot, Tom. <laughs> thanks for giving us our time. Uh, I, you probably can't see Mike Elwick, but he's wearing a cowboy hat with a Spartan logo on it. I, I thought you should know that. <laughs> yeah. and, and a Spartan shirt. Hey, Coach, before we go, I, I want to tease ahead. Next time you come on, I know we're out of time. You've been very generous with your time, so thank you very much. Uh, I'd like you to start off with some stories about Sean Windsor that Sean would never <laughs> want anybody else to Sean know. So if you can we went on a couple of recruiting book, trips. Film yeah. on that. We'd love to have it. <laughs> all right, guys. You guys stay safe, all right? Keep everybody all safe on right. your audience. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Bye-bye. Rock team fight, victory for MSU. We're just not sure quite when. Well, that was, Sean, I'll tell you what, man. Um, redemption is sweet. And right now, you could give somebody diabetes. <laughs> was- oh, nice. That's nice. Did you come up that with the top of your head? No, but I, I got to tell you, being trapped at home all the time, you know, I lost a bunch of weight because of the uh, the uh, the bug. But now I just kind of walk around and graze. So I'm snacking and these uh, Easter bunnies, um, not good. Not good for me at all. <laughs> you know, well, you, I know. It's, I put on a little uh, myself. You know what I mean? Too much, uh, too much ice cream, probably. You have the most ridiculous hat collection, I've decided. Yeah, I, I think one of these days I'm going to do a Spartan hat gallery. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, you, uh, we'll regale people with my fine haberdashery, which, by the way, means more than just hats. But, um, but first I want to tell you about somebody who's doing a great job under very, very challenging conditions. And we hope that you can help reward her efforts. And that's Lindsay Broadwell, one of our new sponsors here on ML Soul of Detroit. And let me tell you about sponsors. We don't just take anybody. And the people we take, we trust. And it's really important because as we trust a lot of people, but it's tough to take their money right now because nobody's doing business. Well, Lindsay is still out there hustling. So if being locked inside made you realize that your house is way too small, then it's time to call our new realty sponsor, 
Lindsay Broadwell. When it's time to move into a new house, whether you are buying, selling, or both, you need to contact Lindsay Broadwell. Your house is one of your most valuable investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust and that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate. Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and that everything goes smoothly by finding you a new home that fits your lifestyle. Buyers, sellers, especially first-time buyers, make sure you contact Lindsay at broadwellhomes.com or 248-767-7767. She's a licensed realtor at Remax Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com, 287-767-7767. And let Lindsay know that you learned about her amazing skills here at ML's Soul of Detroit. And by the way, if you do end up making a deal with Lindsay, if she finds you a great new crib or maybe unloads the shack that you're in right now, you're going to need to finance that. And may we recommend quite strongly David Hall and Hall Financial because they care about the community. That's why the team at Hall Financial is working from home around the clock to help people save money by refinancing. That's right. You take what you have, you refinance it, and you save money. You make money. There's more money in your pocket. It's a great time to look at your options. That's why many people are refinancing right now. If you haven't refinanced in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help. Now's the time to lower your monthly payments and keep some extra money in your pocket as we go through these very turbulent times. And by refinancing, you can probably skip up to two payments. So why not see if you can save some money or cut your term? If you're worried about coronavirus, don't. Homes can be appraised without someone stepping foot inside your house. And appraisers will do what they call drive-by appraisal. It's a little different than to drive-by. They're doing a couple blocks from here. It's entirely safe and actually quite prudent. Hall Financial Service is the fastest in the business. That's why they have nearly 1,500 five-star reviews for Michigan homeowners. Go to our webpage and click on the logo to get started. Actually, it's on the Drew and Mike homepage. It's on the Soul of Detroit homepage as well. You can click on the logo. That's right. Yes, it is. It is on our page. I apologize. But you can also just call 248-3008-5000. That's 248-308-5000. Go to hallfinancial.com. They got lower payments, better options, more personal attention. Ask for Dan Morrison. Let him know ML Elric sent you and MLS1467435. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut Infinity, Ray Tso Infinity plus one. No. So yes, this great debate may sound like a little bit of a rerun, and I think we've all watched enough TV that we're familiar with reruns and then some. But at one point, uh, my friend Mark Fellhauer was saying the government should get as much money out as out as fast as it possibly can. And yeah. I think we and- all understand that bills come whether or not government moves fast or slow. And we all understand that we need some money so that you can pay those bills. But I think what we're finding now is that when government moves fast, it doesn't move particularly well. Uh, A small business loan program that was supposed to help mom and pop places has put $20 million into the Ruth Chris Steakhouse chain. $10 million went to state uh, uh, Shake Shack and they are giving it back because they rightfully feel ashamed. We also found out that some of the uh, the financial aid that's coming through, and let me grab this real quick. This is another is, hat. Is benefiting not you and me, not little old people that we know and love, but it's benefiting millionaires. 
a lot of the money that's being sent out to try and help out regular folks is in fact going into the pockets of people whose pockets are so deep, they often trip over the linings of their pockets. That's deep, my friends. And let me tell you what the good people at the Washington Post had to say about this. More than 80% of the benefits of a tax change tucked into the coronavirus relief package Congress passed in March will go to those who earn more than $1 million annually, according to a report by a nonpartisan congressional body expected to be released Tuesday. Wait, wait. Is That's that, getting ready to pump more money out there. Is that, but again, as we said before, there's no point in putting a lot of mo- a lot of water into a hose that has a bunch of holes in it. Is that gentlemen? Is that tax relief or are they actually getting liquid back? Who what? Liquid. What, what you just read. I mean the, the problem cash, you mean. I, I'll argue that they didn't get money out fast enough because some people still haven't gotten it. The people that need money. Sure, people are gonna abuse the program. We know that. And frankly, I'm I'm really amazed that there's a whole list of companies that got money under the PPP that shouldn't have gotten the money. They're going to be shamed, and possibly they're going to have to give it back. You know, Potbelly's on there. There's uh, MS Communications is on. There's a bunch of companies that violated the rule they had in place. So just because there's a rule doesn't mean people are going to adhere to it. I'll argue that they didn't get enough money out fast enough to people. But the thing is, they're not getting it out to people because the whales are sucking up all the plankton and their big bank friends are the ones who are making it happen. Because why? Because the big banks realize if we get the money to our big clients, our big clients can pay our big loans. So is this really helping people or is this helping big businesses and banks? Are you down with PPP? No, you know me. Well, I like to see you stand up for the people there for a change. Deep, I mean, deep reference there, sorry. Yeah, I, I got that's, it. That's a nice change of pace for you. I appreciate that. By the way, the administration, and uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and lean into the stereotype I have with uh, part of this audience. The Are you listening, Gordo? Exactly. The, the administration got rid of an oversight actor uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? And th- there's a direct correlation to Ruth Chris and all these other companies getting that kind of money. Because there's nobody there saying, no, these people don't need it. These people need it. If we're not going to have that, and the part of the delay in the whole stimulus bill was over that reason. And then it went and happened anyway. So is this really a shock that at least part of this is happening this way? It's all about cronyism and grease in the wheels. It's, it's disgusting. And it's well, despicable. I'm not shocked. I just want to know whether Mark thinks this is okay, because I think we all agree people need money now. But if you go so fast that actually they don't get the money now, and that if you went a little slower, maybe the money would eventually get to where it was intended to go. ML, they didn't go fast, and this is what happened. So what's the point? Why not go fast? It's going to happen anyway. Look how long they dragged it out to come to some sort of deal with each other. Look, what, like a week? I mean, come yeah, on, man. Exactly. But there's a lot of people that haven't, there's a lot of small businesses that haven't gotten the money that and they want to get because mark, it's right? getting I mean, sucked that, up that, by whatever public. Whatever you say about the protests last week, there's a lot of, there was a, a huge amount of legitimate reason because a lot of these small businesses, and yes, uh, you know, our state's a little stricter in terms of who can operate right now, but the bill was designed to have, to, to sort of provide a bridge, an economic bridge for a lot of these small businesses and they're not getting it. And there's no wonder the anger and frustration is starting to rise. If they had some economic relief to, to last them for another, you know, six weeks, couple of months, whatever, we, we might it, things might be a little bit smoother right now. Absolutely. 
So I, I'll agree with you, Mark, because I want pizza, right? I mean, we need pizza. Pizza is very good. But if you cook it for two minutes, all you end up getting is sick. And that's the problem here. The pizza unless, ain't cooked. Unless you're starving. Day, somebody put a bunch of crummy toppings on there that fell off of my slice. What if you're starving and you can't wait the 10 minutes for it to... Uh to finish this is a weird analogy to work with to finish yeah. cooking. come on baby come into my world <laughs> let's say you're gonna die in eight minutes because you need to eat something are you gonna wait the 10 minutes because it's a then it's a moot point but the issue is you're waiting eight minutes and the fat guy got your piece of pizza you're not getting it in eight minutes you're not getting it in 16 minutes you're not getting it at all these small businesses are not well, getting the money there therein lies the real problem that they're, they went too slow and they didn't have enough rules on it. They did the worst of both of them. Yeah, they did. I mean, the small businesses count for half the half the jobs, right? In the country, yeah. more or less. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's close to that. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous the way this is rolled out. You know, a lot of folks aren't getting their stimulus checks, right? That's been kind of happening. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's a huge, big operation. We've got 300 plus million people in the country. There will be abuses. It's not easy. I understand that. But um, what's that, Mark? I'm just saying there will be abuses at, at this scale and that much money. D- did I really think that, you know, 243 million of the 350, um, 350 billion would go to big publicly traded companies? No, but look at the rest of the money and it actually did go to small businesses. Uh, there's a lot of small businesses that say they put in their applications right sure. away and they not only haven't gotten any money, their eight minutes is up. They haven't even heard whether they're going to get any money. And one of the problems is because they are with small banks that don't have the staff to get those things ready. Whereas the big banks have a whole team where they can say, yeah. let's jump on this because we know how to get all the honey out of the hive. And boy, oh boy, uh, Pooh Bear's sitting there with a dry hand and his and his mitten stuck. Okay, just, sorry, I'm abandoning this analogy already. <laughs> Sean, okay, jump in so there, Christopher Robin Windsor. So we've got raw dough, more, more Eeyore, I think. We got raw dough and honey. That's great. No, the uh, the money's out. I mean, I saw a story, a couple of stories yeah. yesterday, right? They're applying and they're getting told, hey, it's it. There's no more, but 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 the White House and the and the the House, the Democratic House, or excuse me, the the Congressional. House is um, they're working on a, a plan right now, right? I mean, I, I don't know when it'll yeah. come, but they're at least negotiating on, on adding more money. So that's a good thing. Well, but to your point, Sean, one of the reasons why it's taking so much time to make these deals work is because the Democrats who have the majority in the House and have to sign off on these things don't trust the president because one of their big things with the first aid packages where we need to have oversight. And as soon as they, they pass these and it's signed, the president says, I'm not going to let this inspector general look at it. The guy you want to put on top of it or the woman you want to put on top of it, I don't like him. I'm going to ignore him. And so this notion that if we do go too fast and there are mistakes made that we're going to be able to fix them, it, it's turned out to be just another Washington game. The guy who was supposed to drain the swamp is acting a little bit like the Lizard King, maybe more than a little bit. So yeah, I'm just. What's wrong with oversight? Well, if you don't, well, yeah, you know, if you don't have oversight on that wet market in Wuhan, nothing bad's going to happen, right? Oh, right, bad <laughs> shit's going to happen. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork! Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? <laughs> oh, 
okay. Mark uh, just entered the running for Geek of the Week there. Why? Well, I thought uh, that was a good out. Was... I thought you had a very strong out of the argument. So Okay, okay, good. So I just I had to get my Chris Crotchy measure twice, cut once. And Chris Crotchy is really his name. He's not a dancer. But um, we Sometimes had a... you don't have to empty your notebook. Can we say that? <laughs> <laughs> if you saw my notebook, it's it's there's plenty there. There are lots of pages. Um we had a lot of candidates for Geek of the Week this week, and picking a winner is pretty tough. First of all, there was a 64-year-old French executive who went on a fighter jet trip and accidentally ejected himself. <laughs> that was, so I, I know that that's story. a strong one, but it turns out he didn't want to go on the trip. His employees yeah. talked him into it, so we're going to give him a pass. Peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, yes. then there's, or as they say in French, peer pressure. So um, then, uh, then there's Ward Emanuel, who gives himself a 5% pay cut to help stem the losses in the athletic department at the University of Michigan. 5% pay cut, you let kids use your wife's car, athletes, then you uh, mishandle uh, the report of sexual abuse of athletes, and you're only going to take a 5% cut? How about a 100% cut, Ward? Okay, but he didn't make oh, please. it. In the end, we have three winners, Dr. Phil. Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew yes. who on the Fox network news are giving medical advice about pandemics. Well, how are they qualified? Let me, let me, let me tell you a little bit about their bona fides. <laughs> Dr. Phil, he's a psychologist. The best thing he's ever done is he brought us bad baby. <laughs> Dr. Oz, a cardiac surgeon. Yes. You got to have heart, but it has nothing to do with infectious diseases. Oh, and my favorite of all, Dr. Drew Pinsky. He can tell you why you curved to the left, why you had that <laughs> failure, and why you have yearnings that you are ashamed of and don't understand. And he can also tell you how to put down the bottle, the needle, the pipe, because he's an addiction medicine specialist. He is not an epidemiologist. So if you're wondering how we should handle recovery <coughs> from the pandemic, flashback to coronavirus, <laughs> it is not with Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and Dr. Drew. It's with the people who know what they're talking about. So doctors, schlachters, if you will, you gentlemen are our Geek of the Week. Uh, as as our own local uh, medical expert, Sean Windsor, diagnosed at the beginning of the show, um, I'm a little over-caffeinated. I almost never drink Coke, but we've got some in the house now, so I'm, I'm getting a little, a little ginned up. Last week in Room 7609, we had Bronski Beat singing Small Town Boy as a tribute to Tom Izzo. Just in case we had some sort of kerfuffle and the coach wasn't able to make it, we picked a great song by the Fine Young Cannibals, that describes how we would have felt if the coach hadn't made it. So, without further ado, as the French would say, Eddie, you, here's a fine young camels with Good Thing.
Wayne, where have you gone? Well, we've got the good thing right here on ML Soul Detroit. Not just Mark, not just Sean, not just Joe Boy Head Coach Izzo. We really appreciate him joining us. Um, sometimes good things are hard to find. And the two fellas who started the Find Young Cannibals reportedly went through 500 audition cassettes. Remember, this was the 80s mm-hmm. before they stumbled upon Roland Gift, who became the lead singer of, of the Fine Young Cannibals. And what an amazing voice he has. It is not what you would call a classic lead singer's voice, but uh, in, in sort of the same way, but very different from Gordon Gano from the, uh, the Violent Femmes. It is so distinctive that it's almost impossible to think of this band without that very unusual, um, I don't know, is he a tenor? I don't know what you call it, but, but I love the fine young cannibals. Fellas, are you oh, familiar yeah. with these, these man-eating uh, musicians? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I remember how handsome he was, and he had those nice suits. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Videos. Yeah. That, that... I mean, you know, not as handsome as Mark. No, who but, is? Um, but he was close. You know? oh, where's that haircut, Mark? Speaking of handsome fellows. Oh, believe me, I know. I it's driving me up a wall how long my hair is right now. It's driving me nuts. And she you look like a hippie for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to take us off track, but in addition to sending uh, us your pictures with your Altus, I would love to have listeners send us pictures of themselves with just how crazy their mane has gotten. And I'm happy to share one of my own. I'm starting to, when I run out of product, look a little bit like Beethoven, but uh, to that point, I FaceTimed ML yesterday and your hair was just out of control. It was all standing. You look like Einstein. Well, I mean, his hair, at least we actually have a lot in common, (laughs) just the hair. We're both German. I was surprised (laughs) you, you chose that song. That was a massive hit. Wasn't it? Was it it was a huge hit. Yeah. It, it was a huge hit. It wasn't as big as She Drives Me Crazy, which is the oh. one everybody knows, which I don't particularly I, like, by the way. I think they're both and, number uh, And it's not as big as Suspicious Minds, their Elvis cover. Uh, my favorite fine young uh, cannibal song is Johnny, Where Are You? That's just a tremendous, tremendous song. But I thought we should have something, whether it's a hit or not, that uh, is suitable for Coach Izzo and uh, Johnny Come Home. That's the one I love. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, funny story about Johnny Come Home. The band was not signed, but they put a video out that they had shot of Johnny Come Home. And if you watch the video, it's high energy. It's very weird, frankly. Mm-hmm. And it was on an English show called The Tube. After that, they had their pick of record contracts. But I think one thing about the Fine Young Cannibals, while they did achieve some success, and while some of their songs did go all the way to number one, um, they only had two albums. And they, like a lot of these new wave bands, kind of broke up and guys went their separate ways. Roland Gift, because he was a very good looking guy, um, sort of had a crazy widow's peak, uh, but, uh, but very good looking guy. He was in uh, a movie where he played one of the lead actresses, uh, boyfriend she was married and his most uh, notable role was he was one of the many boyfriends of the high-end english call girl christine keeler in the movie scandal which you may remember was the true story of the uh basically sort of the uh, the swinging london chick who became a call girl and who had an affair with the british minister of i believe it was defense one of her many boyfriends, not just the guy played by by Roland Gift, was also 
uh, known to be a Russian agent. And this scandal brought down the English government. And in, in a development that I wish would happen more often, uh, Profumo, who was forced to resign and leave public life, spent the rest of his days gardening, but that's not the big thing, but doing good works, doing charity, not writing books, not running for re-election, not selling his story, but basically saying, I really uh, embarrassed myself, the people I care about, and my nation, and I'm going to do everything I can with my last breath to try and redeem myself. I know that has nothing to do with the fine young cannibals, (laughs) but that's why I really love this band because, and why I love new wave music is because so many of these people were so talented that in addition to the great music they left behind, there's a ton of other legacies and a ton of influence on other mediums. So that's my two cents on Roland Gift and the fine young cannibals. Wow, that's a lot of information. I know I got to get off the Coke, <laughs> cola. Uh, yeah. By the way, that that affair was uh, depicted in the Crown, which I know a lot of people have seen the Crown on. Netflix. Oh, it was it was in there. A uh, very small part of the plot, but it was in there. Yeah, the I need to watch that. That's the only and, reason and I know that, what the that, profile um, is. That uh, scandal movie had a great cast. John Hurt played um, the doctor. I think he was a plastic surgeon who basically became kind of a pimp for all these society London people. And I think Ian McKellen played um, Profumo, the minister wow. who uh, whose career was uh, was trashed by um, by this dangerous liaison, or as the French would say, dangerous liaison or liaison dangereuse. <laughs> right, Sean? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is I guess, it Wednesday yet? By the way, I was gonna say I guess that wraps up the soul of the UK. Yeah, de- <laughs> depending on well, you oh, you know what? So okay, so now you got me going here. Oh no, you know Sorry, where uh, the soul of the UK and the soul of Detroit intersect is Motown music is huge in the United Kingdom. And there are actually tours of people who come from England, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and sometimes Wales to tour um, places where Motown music is playing in Detroit and the Motown music, uh, the Motown museum. And they also like a lot of soul music. And at one time I ran into a bus group who was stopping by, I think Memphis smoke at the time because they had a blues band playing. So there actually is a crossover between all of Detroit and the kingdom. So uh, before we go, I've got to give a, I got to give a plug to a story that uh, is, is in the free press this week that I just filed. Um, You can find it at freep.com. We appreciate if you subscribe because the more of you who subscribe, the fewer of us have to take furloughs, but it's about a woman who ordered tchotchkes for pharmacies who tried to argue to her boss that she should be able to work at home because she was clearly not an essential employee. Her boss disagreed and she was fired. You can read that in the free press. And we're hoping to have her on the show next week to tell about her tale. And I'm really only mentioning my own outstanding endeavors with the free press as a way to segue into the amazing week that our friend Sean Windsor had. I know we uh, occasionally give him a hard time because he wants everybody to run naked and throw flower petals in the air. Uh, We hope because of Sean's uh, uh, eating habits since he's been quarantined that that doesn't happen um, because he's, you know, kind of buxom. But um, great, you know, fantastic column about the people going to protest in Lansing. And I have to read you the beginning of another outstanding column he wrote that had nothing to do with sports. So please bear with me. 
The message arrived from a friend I hadn't spoken to in decades, and for a few minutes, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Was it really her? And why, after 30 plus years, did she need my attention so urgently? So after asking her to send me some nudes, I responded. <laughs> Social media may have made the world smaller and has certainly connected us in many meaningful ways, but it says something too, that even when a voice, a hello from a voice in the past, we often slip into skepticism. P.S. Does anyone know how to clear the cache on my computer? <laughs> the boys and my wife might use this. Was... Right back. <laughs> Windsor, the queen 69 at gmail.com. The rest of it's very good. And I must say. <laughs> that must have been before the editors got to the piece. <laughs> oh, 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 you know, that's, you know what? You're right. As a free press employee, I have access to first drafts. But uh, this is a very lovely woman. And it's a very lovely column, although I still don't understand why Sean's wrote, I regretted it immediately about responding to her. Sean, can you please uh, uh, illuminate us? Well, I clarified that I actually had to, it's funny because I had several readers ask me that. I'd had a long section that I Was cut. it because of the nudes? <laughs> no, yeah, right. No, I had a long section that I'd cut about just this idea of, People, you know, sometimes you, you like I hadn't heard from this, this friend in 30 years and it came into a part of my computer where there's a lot of other spam. Mm -hmm. And so you immediately think, okay, is this an imposter? What kind of information do they want? And that was the thing. And so and I'd spelled all that out, the original column, cut it down to condense it and probably left. Uh, so we went back actually later that morning after readers started asking me about that. And I added a line saying, because I was worried she might be an imposter, like uh, somebody uh -huh. who's- A catfisher. Exactly. Or, or just somebody that wanted bank account information eventually or some kind of. And she was really good looking and she sent you an email. That's a sign right there of a fraudster. Yeah, no, that, that for sure was a shock. But uh, that's interesting you say that in this day and age, and we couldn't do anything for the print version, but for this day and age, that's one nice thing that readers can respond. And that, that's happened before and say, hey, no, this isn't quite clear. And then I've gone back and, oh, yeah, that was in a different version. Or, yeah, you're right. That stayed in my head instead of making the, the, the page. And so I went back and added that little sentence. But thank you very much for uh, for living, ad-libbing and adding your own spin on that column as you read it. Well, I'll just say that what we learned here is that back in the day, there's a reason why you couldn't spell swordsman without <laughs> SW, which also stands for Sean Windsor. So she was a friend. Well done, Tiger. Oh, I get That's always it is. We were just friends. Well, I just hit that. I quit that. And then I fell well, no, in love. You know, you know what? You know how I actually found out that she was real or it was not a fake was I, so we had a mutual friend. That mutual friend was my, was my girlfriend. Hey, so she was the best friend of my girlfriend. And um, <laughs> so I called her up and I hadn't talked to her in years. She lives out on the West coast. And as soon as I, as soon as she picked up the phone, she said, uh, are you calling about Amy? And so, because she's trying to reach you, her brother's sick. He's, he's uh, in a group home and yeah. there've been people that are taking care of him that have COVID. And, um, so as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, okay, so she really is trying to, to track me down after all these years. So, so that was, you know. I'll be the sappy one. Is there an update to how her uh, brother is doing? He's doing uh, okay. He's, he's, he doesn't have it yet. Doesn't have he's it. He's got okay. severe cerebral palsy. You know, he can talk some, but, um, but uh, he, he's doing okay. Even it, it, It's interesting because I, she reached out to me, and we were talking about the other editors of the Free Press about this idea of, some of these workers are so strapped and they don't get paid. Yeah. Not the nurses, but the nurses' aides. Yep. The people that actually go in and change change the sheets and yep. bathe you and all that sort of thing. They're working at these group homes or maybe they're working at Henry Ford and they're moonlighting at these group homes and they're carrying the virus from one place to another. And it's a real issue 
from nursing homes to, you know, COVID units at like Henry Ford, where this particular caretaker works. So that's, that's kind of why she was initially reaching out to me. That's a good story. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a great story. And uh, if anybody has been reading my work in the free press, you'll see that mayor Duggan is talking a lot about how big a problem it is with infections being passed around in nursing homes that 30% of the patients that they've tested in the city have, have tested positive for the uh, coronavirus. And some of them, almost as many people who are not showing symptoms have tested positive as those who have, are showing symptoms. So that really gives you some pause and to try and, you know, tease Sean's other column, it, it really raises questions about, are we ready to start running back to the way things were? And I think uh, I would urge caution on that, folks. I also want to give you a little update. The other day was uh, uh, awareness day for, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, CDH. It's the affliction that my nephew Abraham had. And we talked about him early on when we, when we launched this show. He, he almost died. His life was saved by some amazing people at the University of Michigan Hospital. Um, if you go to my Facebook page at M-L-E-L-R-I-C-K, you'll see a little bit about this affliction and, uh, and how well he's doing today. If you want to know what's going on with the show, a great place to find out is always to go to our Facebook pages. Mine is ML, no periods, E-L-R-I-C-K. You can follow me on Twitter at E-L-R-I-C-K. We usually have a lot of cool stuff up there. We hope that you will share the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show because Facebook sucks. They won't let us put our website up there. And uh, if you'd like to donate or purchase some cool stuff, Mark, how do folks do that? Uh, if you want to purchase some stuff, go to Drew and Mike Store, S-T-O-R-E. Once again, I don't know why I spell that for everybody, but DrewandMikeStore.com. And there's a whole ML section with all those wonderful things. Yes, cool swag. And yeah. there's been some talk about getting some hats. So if you're interested in a oh. baseball hat or a trucker hat, if anybody let needs me know. More hats, we'll think you. about it. We don't really want to lay out too much dough right now, but if there's demand, we will meet that demand. And Mark, how do people donate? Because amazingly, with all the good causes out there that need money, we had some very generous donations in the past week. Yeah, uh, mlsoladetroit.com right at the top donate button. So. And they were extremely generous. It's embarrassing how generous they are. But when we have our team meeting, uh, Sean and Mark, it actually, it was only a couple bucks. Just you know, if, you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're checking, if you're checking my numbers there. Sean's going to send um, a I to just send you a box of, uh, you know, mousse or gel or whatever it is, because that's what you really want. Yeah. I think I'm going to need some hedge <laughs> clippers soon. Um, <laughs> one more thing before we go. Uh, Facebook tells me that this is Mike Clark's birthday. It, it, Today yeah, it is was. Tuesday, yep. April 21st. And uh, I think we should, uh, at a time like this, remember some of our friends who are gone before everybody was dropping around us. And uh, we're here because of the Drew and Mike show. And the Drew and Mike show, as the name suggests, had a lot to do with Mike. And so we're grateful for everything Mike did. I know a lot of fans out there love his work with mm-hmm. Drew and Mike. And we're grateful to uh, have known him. A, a very odd gentleman, I will say, <laughs> but always a very kind and gracious guy. And from what Mark tells me, this notion of social distancing and washing your hands, yeah. not uh, a problem for Mike. He was way ahead of us. No, so, he, he would have been... Um, uh, everything his every waking thought if he was still with us right now would be about this virus it would be flipping him out he was a little bit of a germaphobe but it, it's it's crazy you know you talk about 
people talk about their legacies and what they leave behind. It's almost like he's still here because he pops in my head so often because there's so many sayings of what he thought. I mean, he, his opinion was always out there. So he's always he's still with us. He uh, he his um, his legacy was what's let's just say multifaceted yeah. and uh, and it hangs in the air like an attic fart. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, uh, so Mike, um, like you, we have a long list of things we hope to get to. I don't have a remote control helicopter on there, but I am (laughs) trying to get through my list right now. And when I finally get to it, Mike, I'm afraid you and I will be meeting somewhere at the pearly gate. So I'm (laughs) going to take my time, but, uh, but Mr. Mike Clark, you're missed. And we appreciate everything you've done for so many of the people out here listening and for helping introduce me to the many fans that you had and drew had and Mark and Mike Walters, by the way, Mike Walters, Mm -hmm. I want to send best wishes to him. He was feeling very, very poorly. And uh, we are exchanging some texts this week. He's doing much better. So friends and fans of Mike Walters, you should know that he is on the mend and, uh, and that's, that's a good thing. So, so to our friends who are feeling better to our friends who are gone and to all of you who have been listening, we really appreciate you taking some time and spending it with us here on the red shovel network. We hope that we're one of the things that help us all get through this. I know knowing that you're listening and watching and, and, and giving us some feedback helps me get through it. So please continue to do that. You can write to us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. You can call us at 313-288-9070. That's Butterfield 89070. And we have lots of great entertainment here on the Red Shovel Network. And a lot of these shows make news. So please check out Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour. The No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob. And of course, the Mac Daddy, the Drew and Mike podcast, which is available every day here on the Red Shovel Network. This has been ML's Soul of Detroit. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Forget about the crowds and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most importantly, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this audience. If you put your effort and concentration into broadcasting to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the show. In my book, we're going to be winners. Okay?